Welcome to the First Contact Headache and Primary Care Podcast. Every episode, we break down topics in headache medicine for primary care providers and other healthcare professionals seeing patients with headache disorders. The goal of the First Contact Headache and Primary Care Program is to provide educational resources to empower healthcare professionals and to improve headache and migraine care for patients. Hi, I'm Dr. Mia Minnan, a board-certified headache specialist and associate professor at NYU Langone Health. On this episode, we're talking about headache management over telemedicine. My guest today is Dr. Jennifer Robley. Hi, Dr. Robley. Tell us a bit about yourself. Hi, Dr. Minden. I'm really excited to be here today. I think this is a really great opportunity for us to talk about headache medicine, which of course I'm passionate about, as well as telemedicine, which is such an important thing right now. I was originally trained in Canada, up in Toronto in neurology, and I'm now working at Barrow Neurological Institute in the Jan and Tom Lewis Migraine Treatment Center. Great. Could you provide a brief overview of telemedicine and explain how an in-person appointment for migraine translates online? For sure. So first off, when we talk about telemedicine and telehealth, there's so many different components that we can refer to. Um, Of course, there's everything from stuff you can do over portal, you can do e-consultations. But here, when we're talking about telemedicine, we're actually talking about synchronous visits that we're doing over usually video and audio, but sometimes if there's no video component, we're doing the audio component. In neurology, this is something that's been used for a while, especially for stroke medicine. Headache medicine is such an awesome avenue to do this because as we all know, the history is such the major component of what we do. And so it's actually translated really well with the most Um, difficult component being that there's of course a physical exam but as we'll discuss there's actually a lot of things you can do over physical exam and it makes it so that you can actually quite safely and effectively manage your headache patients. Wow that's so interesting. So many colleagues and myself are also doing telemedicine and headache right now and I know that there are a lot of questions that come up for providers. So for example what kinds of appointments can be taken online? Are these brand new first appointments for patients or are they routine visits? So, I mean, right now during the COVID-19 pandemic, I'm doing all of my patient visits over um, the telemedicine medium. So for instance, new patient visits currently I am doing as a telemedicine video and audio. When no, uh, when no video is available, then we will do just audio. Um, of course, it is better when we can actually have the video component because for that first contact, I do really like to be able to examine my patients. In terms of long-term, however, it's the follow-up patients that I think telemedicine is by far the best way to use telemedicine because for many of these patients, coming into clinic is actually quite difficult. You can imagine if someone has daily severe headache, coming into a noisy clinic, driving in bright sunlight, being around people who might be wearing perfumes and needing to sit up and wait to come into a doctor's office, that can all be really burdensome. So patients are really loving that, you know, if they're in the middle of a migraine, they can be sitting in bed or in their chair, they can have their lights off and we're able to have that conversation. So you mentioned the neurologic exam. And so that's a great segue into discussing how do you do a telemedicine neurologic exam? Is that possible to really conduct and reach a migraine diagnosis over telemedicine? For sure. And definitely in headache medicine, where the majority of what we're doing for diagnosis is actually based off history, based on the clinical criteria that we use from ICHD3. I mean, often before you get to the physical exam, you've already made your diagnoses. 
But when it comes to trying to do the physical exam as part of trying to rule out secondary causes of headache, you can actually do the majority of it. Our biggest limiting factor over telemedicine is if you need to look at the fundi. So if you have someone where you're really worried about fundi, that's one where you do need to see them in person. But I've been able to do everything from pupil exam. So I'll have them actually come up really close to the camera for me. And if you want to just do a very basic exam, I have them close, then open their eyes. And you can see that the pupils constrict. If you're a little bit more worried, I'll actually have them go grab a flashlight. Because um, generally people have something like that or their phone light and have them shine it in the eyes so I can see that the pupils constrict. I even do visual fields. So the reality is, is in the neurologic exam, we're not getting down to the nitty gritty. We're really just looking at the four quadrants of the eyes. So I have them look at the center of the screen where I am, cover one eye, and I'll do finger counting in the four major quadrants. And I've actually been able to pick up visual field defects doing that. So I've actually found it to be a pretty useful tool so I can decide if I feel safe that I'm not missing something there. Otherwise, a lot of the cranial nerve exam, really it's stuff that you're observing anyway. So you can see all of that over the camera. And for headache exam, I usually include neck movement. Sensory exam is also perhaps a little bit difficult. Um, I have patients at least check light touch. I don't know that that's probably that specific unless they've already been able to tell me that they know they have an area of numbness or tingling. If I'm really worried though, let's say it's a person with trigeminal neuralgia, I have them go and get an ice cube. And then I find that difference between cold is a really great way to assess. Uh, motor exam is a lot of sort of indirect testing. So pronator drift, I'll look for the satellite sign where you'd have them do an arm roll and look at one arm is sort of rotating around the other like a satellite. Um, I'll look at fine finger movements to see if there's a clear asymmetry. I have them, you know, do the finger to nose testing. Of course, they don't have a finger to reach out for, so I have them reach in front of them, then touch their nose. Right, I have them do things like squats, jumping on one leg, walking on heel or toes. I check tandem gait. Um, before I do anything standing up though, especially if I'm going to have them do Romberg as well, I always check and make sure that they feel safe. If they don't feel safe, I have a family member there or have them stand next to a couch or bed so that if they feel like they're going to fall, they have something soft to land on. Um, or I tell them to just not do it and report it. Wow, those are really helpful suggestions. And I think that even as part of the headache specific exam, there are some things that we can do too, right? So for example, if we wanted to assess for temporal mandibular dysfunction, we could ask patients to touch both sides of their face where their jaw opens and closes and seeing if they have any, to see if they have any popping or clicking when they open and close their jaw. And I think we can even really assess for occipital neuralgia as well by just showing patients how they can tap with some fingers on the back of their head to see if that elicits any tingling or electric-like sensation. But you gave some really excellent pearls, I think, for providers to try to understand how they can assess patients via telemedicine. Yeah, I think that's also true. I mean, most patients, if they have allodynia, for instance, they know that they have allodynia. They can often point and show me, sort of draw the distribution. So all of that can be really useful for trigger zones for something like a neuralgia form pain. Often they can show me, you know, this is the trigger point for my trigeminal neuralgia. Or yeah, if I push back here, it, it shoots up over my head. So they know if they're pushing in that area, the trigeminal nerve tapping on it. Those are all great tidbits for us. Are there things that we should be telling patients that they should prepare in advance for the appointment? You mentioned certain things you sometimes ask them to get in their apartment or their home. So is there anything we should be asking them to bring or think about writing down in advance? Yeah, so I really like it when they have a helper because especially if there's any concerns about mobility, I really like them to have someone there to be safe. And if you happen to find something, there's a lot of things where it's much easier if they can have someone to assist them with the exam or be their camera person because it's really hard for them to hold the camera. For and sure. do what they need to. So I think that's super important. 
Um, in terms of other things, you know, give them a heads up that we may want to do some things like sensory testing with an ice cube. You know, do they have a flashlight? Um, those are some of the basics. It might be nice to have some pen and paper as well if you're going to do a bit of cognitive testing. And I know a lot of people have been able to do some pretty good cognitive testing over the computer, at least to get a really good basis of, you know, do you need to pursue that further? And I mean, there's actually a MOCA for people who are visually impaired. So essentially, you're kind of using that assessment where you, you don't actually need to see anything. You're doing all the, the verbal components of the MOCA. So let's switch gears and talk about physicians who have already made a diagnosis of migraine. How can they try to figure out the best way to manage their patients with migraine via telemedicine? So, I mean, a lot of what I'm doing is basically the same as what I do when I'm in clinic. So once I have a patient there in front of me and I've diagnosed them with migraine, I'm able to do all of my basic education. And actually, one of the nice parts of telemedicine is we also have a great built-in portal. So for other providers who have a portal, I actually will send them out a great visit summary. And I've now made that a really standard part of what I do for new patients, where everything we discuss, I have some sort of built-in templates that I can send off to the patient. Um, we'll go through and talk about if preventives are needed, and I'll kind of list out for the patient what that is, maybe their titration schedule. And same if I'm doing any sort of acute treatment, we'll go through those options. And if I have different sort of steps to therapy, like here's what your main treatment is, but if you need a backup treatment, this is the backup treatment. Here's when you use it. Here's how often to use it. You know, here's the tests or um, consults that I've ordered for you. So even before the pandemic, I know doctors were trying to keep their patients out of the emergency room as much as possible. And I know both of us share that interest as well. What advice do you have for primary care providers looking to keep their patients out of the emergency department? So we often talk about stratified care when we're dealing with acute treatment of migraine. Um, personally, and this is just my personal opinion, I use more of a step care approach where I'll tell them, you know, when you have your headaches, this is sort of your baseline treatment profile. But as I've mentioned, I give them a backup treatment. And for some of my really refractory patients, I actually have a couple levels of backup treatment. And for your patients who are severe, they're prone to going to the emergency room. You know, what are you gonna give them so that they have an approach to use that keeps them out of the emergency room? So what's their emergency treatment? And I have a lot of different things that I'll try there. A lot of these things are off-label. They're taken from a little bit of the status migranosis literature, um, but it's an area that we definitely need more research on. So a lot of what I'm saying here is off-label. It's just my personal approach that I've taken from experience, from other colleagues, and from what I can sort of gather from the literature. But not all of it is, you know, RCT-based for sure. Um, so I'll use things like dexamethasone, I'll give them Toradol, um, I'll do things like um, take basically what we do in the quote-unquote migraine cocktail IV and actually give that to them in um, oral medication form. So for instance, Divalproex, Chlorperazine, Benadryl, I'll have them take a little combination of that and allow them to use that up to three times a day. And all of those things, I give them very limited pill amounts. So for instance, if I'm going to give dexamethasone, I tell them the maximum you're allowed to use that is say three times a month. I only give them three pills at a time. So I'm, I'm very cautious with how you do it because you don't want to give these patients too many medications and then end up causing complications. But at the same time, you don't want them to end up in crisis and inappropriately having to go to the emergency room when there's ways we could have had them be managing at home. And I have them really stay in close contact with me when they're refractory or having really bad crisis so we can try to work through and find ways to break it. So I, I really give them a good access to me to try to keep them out of the emergency room as much as possible, because that's always one of my primary goals. Well, this has been super helpful. I just want to finish off by asking why is telemedicine so important, not just right now, but for headache medicine as a whole? 
Well, first off, I think it's a way to really increase access for headache patients to be able to reach their provider. There are so many different headache patients and they have such a spectrum of how the disease has affected them. And you can imagine for someone who's in the midst of a really bad migraine attack, they're at home. The last thing they want to do is jump in their car, have a bunch of bright lights, loud noises, the craziness of traffic, just to come in for a visit, especially if it's something where it could have been done over telemedicine from the comfort of their own home. Also, we know patients often have a lot of absenteeism from work. And then to throw in that they're taking perhaps a good chunk of their afternoon off to, you know, again, drive in, sit in a waiting room, have the visit, drive back. And by the time they get back, they've already missed a good chunk of work. Again, it's a much more patient-centered approach, and I would argue that we can do it safely. Over time, I'm sure we'll have even more ways of being able to do even more in-depth ways of examining a patient over telemedicine. And the reality is, is the bulk of what we do in headache medicine is history and counseling, and all of that can be done over this medium. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Robley. This was incredibly helpful. Thanks for tuning into our episode. You can find additional information and doctor-verified resources about diagnosing and treating migraine on the First Contact Headache and Primary Care website. Visit us at AmericanHeadacheSociety.org slash primary care. This podcast is brought to you by the American Headache Society and made possible by Eli Lilly.